morning, church.、Uh, we're so glad you're worshiping with us this morning.、Uh, we're glad that you're here.、Uh, we want to welcome you this morning. It's awesome. I hope that you're enjoying our worship service so far.、Uh, feel free to hit the like, share, and subscribe button if you are on YouTube right now.、Uh, once again, we also、uh, have people on live chat,、uh, which is just to the right of your computer screen.、Uh, we are ready to answer any questions that you may have. Or if you need prayer, type it in、uh, there and then we'll have people to pray for you.、Uh, if you're visiting us for the first time,、uh, we just want to welcome you again.、Uh, we would love to connect with you. So please、uh, help us by filling out the contact form,、uh, which is located in the description below.、Um, we have been in a sermon series called、uh, Encounters with Jesus. Uh, since the beginning of the year,、uh, we looked at different encounters that Jesus had.、Uh, we looked at how Jesus called his first few disciples and he said to them, Follow me.、Uh, it's amazing how they have just left everything and followed him. And we also looked at the faith of the centurion. And last week, Pastor Dylan preached on the showdown between、uh, Jesus and Satan. And today we'll be concluding our series by Looking at the rich young ruler,、uh, his encounter with Jesus in Matthew 19. So,、uh, before we start, why don't we、uh, let's, let's pray uh, as we、um, dive into God's word?、Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for、uh, the gift of your word and we thank you for these things.、Uh, God, may you open our hearts and open our minds this morning to teach us.、Um, God, teach us where we need to be taught, rebuke us where we need to be rebuked. Uh, correct us where we need to be corrected and train us where we need to be trained.、Uh, so we commit ourselves to you.、Uh, may you bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.、Uh, a story about a, a missionary who was assigned、uh, a new car and wouldn't start without a push. And after pondering his problem,、uh, he came up with a solution. He went to a, a nearby school.、Um, And got permission to take some children out of the class and had them help push the car so that he would start the car. And eventually, or sometime later,、uh, he would rather, or he would either park on a hill or leave the engine running when he had to go buy something. And he used this tactic for two years until an illness caused him and his family to leave and return home. So, when his replacement came, he explained the, the car situation to、uh, the new missionary. And as he was talking about how creative he was and coming, coming up with the plan and、uh, how to keep the car running and all that stuff, the new missionary popped the hood open and was looking around at the engine、um, as he was speaking. And before he finished, the new missionary said this Hey, you know, I see this loose cable、uh, here. Uh, let me give it a try. Let me、uh, give it a twist. And then、uh, and he stepped right into the car and turned the key. And to the old missionary's surprise, the car started without any problem. So for two years, he had come up with a routine that was totally unnecessary, right? The power had been there the whole time. This loose connection kept him、uh, being able. To put the power to work. And this story is, is very similar to the story we're going to examine this morning in Matthew 19, where a rich man 
who was trying to come up with a plan for how to live his life in a way that would be pleasing to God. It was an admirable desire, but there was a loose cable in his relationship with God, so to speak. And instead of fixing the cable, he was coming up with routines or uh, you know, solution that left the power of God out of his life altogether. And the young man actually approached Jesus, asked him the most important question of all time. What must I do to have eternal life? And I think this is a very good question. As a matter of fact, it's a great question. There was a lot of things this young man actually did, and he did it right. But he made a series of mistakes that led him to miss out on the power of God in his life. So if you have if you have your Bible, turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22. Just then, a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions to, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. What this passage is really telling us is that this is really a test. On the one hand, he had his possessions. And on the other, there was Jesus Christ. He had to make a choice. And in a similar way, you know, we, ha- we are all in the same boat. And it's a decision we all have to make. When we are called to follow Jesus, inevitably, there's something we have to give up. It doesn't matter. It could be sins in our lives or bad habits uh, we have or possessions and sometimes even family members. And in this case, with this uh, rich young ruler, he wasn't willing to forsake all. So he couldn't and wouldn't follow Jesus. And that's the essence of What this text is saying, salvation is really for those who forsake everything. And this is very, this is a very important truth. Now you will also notice in in verse 16 that the young man poses a question related to eternal life. And he asks about how to obtain eternal life. And the term eternal life is actually used about 50 something times uh, in, in the New Testament. And it's essentially the heart of all evangelism when you think about this. In other words, in all that we endeavor, endeavor to do, uh, we try to put people um, uh, to, to want eternal life, to seek eternal life, to receive eternal life. In fact, the, the most familiar gospel verse of all, John three sixteen, right? We remember what it says. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember that? 
And we struggle, and we work, we pray, we study, and we strategize, and we plan, and we develop methods to try to get people to want and to receive eternal life. But here comes a young man, right, who walks right up and asks Jesus the very question. Most of our work in evangelism, if you really think about it, is to get somebody to this point. I mean, like when we go on a mission trip like YSMP or when we go to Mexico or wherever that may be, right? This is what we want to do. We want, you know, we want to have training before we go on this trip and learning different techniques on how to talk to people and get them to this point. Asking the question, so how can I receive this gift of eternal life? And this is what we want, right? From here on out, it's easy in a way. I mean, if you can just get the guy to say, well, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life, right? You've got him where you want him to be, and you tell him, well, all you have to say is believe, right? Sign the card, raise your hands, or walk down the aisle, say the prayer. I mean, you've got him right where you want him to be. Again, this young man was so promising at first There's a lot of potential. He approached Jesus, uh, asking him the most important question of all time, right? What must I do to have eternal life? Again, that's a great question. And there were actually a lot of things this young man did right. But he made a series of mistakes that led him going away sad and downcast. So today we're going to look at the mistakes that he had made that led him to a tragic ending. First off, who is this guy asking the question, right? Well, we just read the passage from Matthew 19, but this same story, if you didn't know, uh, was also recorded in Mark chapter 10 and also in Luke chapter 18. Uh, from the passage we read in Matthew 19, we know that this young man, that he's a, he, he is a young man. The Greek word that's being used here refers to someone who is relatively young, like a youthful kind of young, perhaps some, someone in their 20s and early 30s, perhaps. And then in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, we learn that this man is a ruler. Um, The the Greek word that is being used here refers to someone who has administrative authority, Uh, somebody like a leader or official in the office, like uh, it's used on various Jewish leaders, including those in charge of a synagogue and members of the Sanhedrin. And then later on in Luke 18, where verse 23 um, tells us that uh, he was a man of great wealth. And the Greek word here is referring to someone pertaining to uh, having an abundance of earthly possessions, right? That exceeds normal uh, experience, Um, like very rich, wealthily uh, or, or wealthy, extremely greatly wealthy. And that's why we call him the rich young ruler. As for mistakes goes, right? Um, let's take a look at the mistakes uh, he made. Uh, we'll begin in verse 16. It says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And in Luke, he called Jesus good teacher. So the first mistake is that he did not recognize Jesus as Lord. 
He calls him good teacher. You know, even though the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, it actually says that, that he ran up to Jesus and he fell on his knees, right? He, he bowed down before Jesus. But still, the young man failed to recognize Jesus, his divine authority. And when we read this passage, we need to keep in mind that uh, during that time, most of the wealthy religious people who asked Jesus questions in, in public were usually trying to trick him in some way into some imprudent statement, right? Remember Luke, Luke chapter 20, uh, you know, people were asking him, should we pay taxes to Caesar, right? Uh, and then in, in Luke 6, where, uh, where people were asking him, why do your disciples work on the Sabbath? And then later on, you know, somewhere uh, it says something like, this lady was caught in the adultery, right? In the very act of adultery. Should we stone her as Moses directed us? Right, that was in, in John chapter 8. And I think the young man's question is a fair question. I mean, you do have to do something to get eternal life. You have to believe, right? Uh, you will have... you. you your, your will has to be involved in it. Uh, there has to be a response. The question is basically a fair question. It's an okay question. Um, he didn't say, you know, how can I be more religious, right? He didn't say that. How can I be more moral or how can I get more self-respect or whatever, right? He didn't say that. He said, I want eternal life. And what do I do to get it? Right? I don't think it's a calculated question of someone trying to trap Jesus or trying to offer his self-righteousness as a vehicle by which he will gain the answer. I think he, he just asked an honest question, what do I need to do to have eternal life? So it wasn't a trick question. If you ask me, it was a sincere question to which he needed to know the answer, how to inherit eternal life. With that in mind, the question tells us several things about the young man. Uh, first is that he must be feeling inadequate in his spiritual preparation somehow, right? Otherwise, he probably wouldn't ask the question in the first place. And then secondly, he sides with the Pharisees rather than the Sadducees because the Sadducees, uh, they didn't believe in life after death. And this question clearly implies that he does, right? He wanted to know what's life after death, um, specifically eternal life, right? And lastly, he believes that eternal life is something that one earns or merits by what he does. So believe it or not, this is a common misconception today as well. You know, if you were to ask the common men or women in your community or your work or your school, um, you will probably come up with a similar belief. Basically, they would say, you know what? You go to heaven if you do good and you go to hell if you do bad things. Eternal life is a reward for what you do on earth. Uh, so most likely, that's what people will tell you. Again, this is a misconception, right? And really, and this 
is the second mistake the the rich young ruler is making. The second mistake is that he misunderstood the plan of grace, right? He misunderstood the plan of grace. What good thing must I do to have eternal life? There is no good thing, only to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. As wealthy as he must have been, uh, he was spiritually bankrupt and terribly poor in faith. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. Says this: For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself; it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Again, it is because of the grace of God we have been saved through faith. It is not that we have done anything; it is a gift of God, a free gift from God, not by works. There is nothing we can boast about, right? That's the meaning of that verse. And here's the thing: if Jesus was a contemporary evangelist or a contemporary evangelical, he might he might say, "Hey, just believe." I mean, Jesus died for you and rose again. If you just believe that, just pray and ask Jesus into your heart and confess Him as your Savior, you will be saved. But Jesus didn't do that at all. Jesus put up a wall in front of this guy. I mean, Jesus drew him to a sudden stop. Look at what Jesus says here in verse seventeen. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, "There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments." Here, Jesus is like, "Why are you asking me what good thing you have to do? You, you think I've got some secret you don't know, or you think I've got insight that you've never heard of, or you think God has given me something that、uh, no one else knows about?" Uh, you think I'm the only person in the world who knows、uh, what you have to do?、Uh, what good thing? There is nothing good but one. That's God, and you know what He says, right? So go on out and keep His commandments, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. I mean, if you want life, keep the commandments. That's what Jesus is telling this young man. You know what they they are, right? You know, asking him. You know what they are. You don't need to ask me. You don't need me to to add anything.、Uh, there is there there's no new information here. There's no secret, right? Why are you asking me what is good? And this leads to the third mistakes, right? The third mistakes is that he was unaware of his own faults. In verse seventeen, Jesus told him that. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, "You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself." All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, "If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor." And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. You know, suppose for a moment that this wealthy young ruler had never violated the commandments Jesus presented to him. Suppose that he had never murdered even with his tongue, right? Suppose that he had not committed adultery even in his heart. Suppose that he 
had not stolen anything or even envied, right? Suppose that he had never spoken less than the whole truth. Still, he was unaware of his own faultiness. Did you notice that Jesus only presented him with the parts of the commandments that deal with man-to-man relationships? The other commandments have to do with God-to-men relationships. And this young man had obviously not fulfilled those commandments. If he had fulfilled them, uh, he would have immediately recognized Jesus as the Son of God. But he did not recognize Jesus at all. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called Jesus good teacher. Instead, he would call Jesus Lord. And the, the way this young man responded, it almost seems like he is more concerned with the outward obedience. And this guy must, must, be, must have been Stella, right? He was checking off all the little religious boxes just like we do sometime. In a, in a way, we, we went to church this morning, check. You know, uh, I read my Bible today, check. Uh, I prayed uh, today, check. I put money in the offering basket, check. You know, I, I opened the door for a little old lady, check. You see, none of those things are wrong, right? When you think about that. Uh, but we can't forget that God doesn't just look at our outward actions, but He also examines our motivations, our hearts, right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. You see, we can't use our actions to cover up our hearts. He sees right through our hearts. He's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Now, the the Bible says at this point in Mark chapter 10, Jesus looked at him and loved him because this guy was sincere. There was something genuine about him. He really was a religious person. And Jesus loved him. And Jesus is not willing to let him perish. Right? And here's the thing. As much as Jesus loved him and as much as Jesus was not willing to let him perish, he still wouldn't take him on his terms. Uh, He had to have him understand his utter sinfulness. Where was the mourning? Where was the sorrow over sin? Right? Where was the sense of having... Uh, vile, the, the, the sense of having violated a holy God, it wasn't there, right? It just wasn't there. In fact, the guy couldn't even think of anything that he, had, he hadn't done because he asked, what do I still lack? So Jesus goes right to the man's heart. In verse 21, he tells him to give away all he has to the poor and then come follow me. Right, the the man performed all the religious stuff on the outside, but Jesus wasn't interested in all the outer activities of this man's life. 
He's interested in where his heart was. And the man's heart was with the stuff of this world. He wanted to hang on to his wealth more than anything. So Jesus told him, if you really want eternal life, then you have to surrender all that you have and come follow me. And we need to be careful here because Jesus isn't telling us that we can gain eternal life if we give away all that we have. The problem wasn't that the the problem wasn't the man's wealth. The problem was with his heart, was with his wealth, right? The the problem was with his heart was with his wealth. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think when this young man heard what Jesus wanted him to do, he was grieved. He was sad, right? He was sad because Jesus was asking him to give up that which was most important to him in his life, his possessions. And he responded to Jesus' request by walking away. And, you know, when you think about that, this is the fourth mistake. He went away. In a way, this is the biggest mistake of all because a man can misunderstand the divinity of Christ and be blinded to himself and misunderstand God's grace and still be saved if he will commit to staying with God. Remember the very first message of this sermon series when Jesus called his disciples in the beginning, right? He called Peter uh, Andrew, John, and James, and Matthew, and the others to follow him. And none of them fully understand the lordship of Jesus. And they certainly did not fully understand the plan of grace. But they stayed with Jesus. They were willing to commit to a lifestyle of learning him. They apprenticed themselves to him for a long haul. And that's why um, they were they were there the whole time. That's why they were together the whole time. And that's the way to be saved. If you're willing to launch out with Jesus on a long journey, right, from brokenness to holiness, um, if you're willing to walk all the way, every hard step, I think you 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 are a very wise person. Even if you're not young or wealthy, right? You're wise if you do that. So again, he came for eternal life. He left without it. What a sad thing, right? What a tragedy. And here's the thing. This is really easy to just sort of skim over the part this young man uh, where he walked away. And we might be thinking, oh, just another person rejected the gospel, right? Um, but I want you to digest this for a minute, right? Think about this for a second. You see, this is like you have been just given the cure for COVID-19. I mean, this is not even a vaccine I'm talking about. It's more like getting rid of COVID uh, it, for the whole world forever, uh, you know what it's going to take, not like the vaccine that has a 95% efficiency, right? But 
to actually get rid of COVID for the whole human race. And you would think um, a normal, sane person would rejoice in this news. But in our text, um, it would be like you walking away from the answer to COVID. And that would be idiotic. None of us are going to do that. It really, it, It's really easy for us to be judgmental toward the rich young ruler and think, well, he was an idiot. And yet the fact is that it is our, it is our tendency to trade in the things of God for the things of this world. So in closing, I want us to spend some time to reflect on this. Right? Think of the times when you have traded in God's desire for your life for your own desires. Think of the times when you have chosen dishonesty over truth. Think of the times when you have sold out uh, your faith to do things you shouldn't do just to be part of the in crowd. Think of the times when you chose to respond in meanness instead of forgiveness to satisfy your feelings. I mean, the list goes on. So think about those things. You know, I, to be honest with you, I love this passage a lot. Uh, I love this Bible story. Uh, it teaches us about the gospel, sharing the gospel and what our Lord expects. The truth we learn here in Matthew 19 is very clear. Um, and it's very clearly articulated in Luke Chapter 14, verse 33. You know, if maybe in the margin of your Bible here in Matthew 19, you know, you ought to write Luke 14, verse 33. Luke 14, verse 33. Uh, Because I believe this explains the meaning of that verse. Luke 14, verse 33 actually says this. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Let me say that again. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, this is a very straightforward truth. Unless you forsake all that you have, you cannot be the Lord's disciple. I think salvation is not for people who just pray the prayer necessarily or people who think they need Jesus. It is for people who forsake all all. It is for people who forsake all. It is like the two parables in Matthew 13 verses uh, 44 to 46. You have the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. right? I believe those, both of these are referring to the salvation that's offered in the kingdom. Uh, And in both of these cases you remember that the, the, the man sold everything he had Uh, bought the field to get the treasure. And the guy sold everything he had to get the money to buy the the pearl. And both of them, uh, both of these cases, cost them everything. It cost them everything that they had, right? There's a sense of abandonment of everything in genuine salvation. And that, I think... Is the essence of what our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us through his encounter. 
with the rich young ruler here in Matthew 19. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this day, God. Thank you for the great truth of this passage. Thank you for how it helps us understand the gospel and how consistent you are. Uh, You call for repentance from the first we heard your voice saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And all through the scripture, we hear of the fact that you are the sovereign Lord and those who come to you must come to you as Lord. Father, may you continue to do a work, a saving work in our midst this morning. May your Holy Spirit bring about that conviction of sin, bring about that repentance. May your Holy Spirit work that work of submission and obedience, even though some people don't know or don't yet understand what all that means. May your Spirit do that as a part of the saving work. Father, we thank you that you are so clear as we study this great treasure of your word. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, We would love to uh, see you again next week. God bless you all. Have a great week. Happy Valentine's Day again. Bye-bye. Thank you.